0: Welcome to Inside Outside Innovation, episode 104. Shane Snow has background as both a journalist and entrepreneur. He talked with Brian about his new book, Dream Teams, Working Together Without Falling Apart, which is all about how to form a successful combination of familiarity and uncomfortability that gets things done that haven't been done before. Find out more at shanesnow.com. Inside Outside Innovation is hosted by Brian Artiger, founder of Next, a provider of research, events, and consulting services that helps innovators and entrepreneurs build better products, launch new ideas, and compete in a world of change and disruption. Find out more at next.co. That's nxxt.co.
1: I grew up in a small town in Idaho, in the middle of the desert, sagebrush as far as the eye can see. That's you know, sort of a you know like a dramatic way of putting it. But I grew up in the desert of southeast Idaho, and my father was an engineer who was working at a nuclear test facility, uh, which was in the middle of the said desert. So I grew up in uh, in this very interesting sort of rural community, uh, you know, farmers and hard work and good people, but this father who was teaching me about science and uh, and was always tearing apart car engines and showing me how to put them back together. And so I kind of grew up with this, uh, I don't know, this sort of ingrained thing, this curiosity and habit of wanting to take things apart, see how they work, and put them back together. And and also with my dad, you know, fixed a lot of things in very clever ways. And, and he was sort of this, uh, you know, like like an engineer who's good at, at solving problems and hacking things and... So when I I grew up I decided that I really wanted to write about science and business. I wanted to be a journalist. And and I'd also kind of survived by doing little web businesses. I also had a bit of an entrepreneurial bend to uh to my personality and I think both things sort of stem from this uh this kind of inventor uh thing that my dad instilled in me. And uh and so when I became a journalist, I saw kind of my role really uh and my job as exploring, asking questions, deconstructing things, and then uh and putting them back together and, and teaching people about them. And and that's basically lends itself really well to covering innovation, technology, science, and uh economics, um, as a journalist and, and I've got kind of fascinated specifically with the uh with human behavior and how Psychology and neuroscience, in particular, explain kind of why we do the things we do and uh, why we think the way we think and how we can think different. And uh, and so that led me to to write a couple books and the the latest one, Dream Teams, is a is sort of a capstone of all of that work. It's about the idea that we can the way that innovation happens and breakthroughs in history always tend to happen because someone has thought differently. And that almost always involves a group of people who are combining their different brains to do something amazing or someone who is tapping into a lot of, uh, of other people's work in very different fields to uh, to make something new. And uh, And so Dream Teams is an exploration of that, incredible teams in history, and kind of the science behind how they tick and why usually we we don't quite uh, add up to the promise when we're working together, working together is hard and it can be amazing, but usually it's just hard.
0: <laughs> Definitely. I mean, if you think about it, uh, it's probably one of the most vexing things for organizations to really figure out, uh, you know, it's, it's easy as a solo entrepreneur to figure things out and, and do things by yourself. But as soon as you have that second person, uh, things can sometimes crumble. And it's, I think it's one of probably the number one reason why, uh, early stage startups uh, teams and that fail is because there's there's a team dynamic that doesn't uh, quite work out but so so let's dive into the book a little bit so uh, you tell a lot of different stories uh, and a lot of kind of case examples and that that you've come uh, come upon um, so what it, and it seems to be almost contradictory to a lot of the stuff that we've seen in other team team building type of books so talk uh, talk to audience through a little bit about uh, what did you see or what did you find in your research that's different uh, than what they might have typically seen in, in other team building um types of books.
1: Yeah. So there there's a whole bunch of things that I found that either we've conflated and gotten wrong when it comes to common wisdom about teamwork or that new psychology research actually shows us we've just been wrong about. So <laughs> uh and and we're always learning and I I'm glad that that we are, but there's a, a few things that are that you know jump out in terms of the common wisdom that we all take for granted. One of those is, uh, is, frankly, two heads are better than one. Turns out that's not true. Mm. Two heads are only better than one if those heads are different enough and if they combine in the right ways. Uh, A group of people that all think pretty similarly are only going to be as smart as the smartest person. Uh, But a group of people that think differently, they have the potential to be smarter, but the way that you unlock that potential is... It, it speaks to another um, sort of myth that we have about around teamwork, which is, uh, you know, we, for many, many years, we've talked about how uh, basically, uh, this comes from the 1970s, from research that a psychologist did. Basically, if you want to be happy at work, you want to be the most comfortable, the most happy, uh, it pays to work with people who have very similar personalities to you. Uh, that's when you're the happiest at work. When you're with people who are are sort of your click, and uh, and out of this was born this concept of culture fit that we've hung on to for many many years. That it turns out that when you really scrutinize it, culture fit is actually the enemy of innovation. And oh. happiness is nice, but happiness is not correlated with problem solving. <laughs> right. <laughs> and in fact, a lot of times when you have you're happy because you you're working with people who are just like you. You devolve into this trap of you know your heads are not better than one you're just as smart as whoever's the smartest in the room, and you're not pushing each other in fact, the discomfort the cognitive friction that comes from different points of view smashing together is actually what makes a group move forward together but then the other thing that you know is sort of a a common misconception is that uh you know that fighting is bad, and uh i uh my my sort of new favorite. Uh, quote uh, to talk about this is we, when you want to make progress in a relationship, whether it's a work relationship or any relationship, it's not about getting along. It's about not getting along well. Hmm. So if you can actually have the debates and the clash of ideas and do that in a way that, uh, that doesn't get personal and that always stays sort of focused on, you know, pushing the party forward, that's the you know that's the ultimate uh, recipe and and a lot of times at work we actually we aim for unity and we aim for you know kind of uh, cohesiveness and and making sure that people feel comfortable right. and uh, and you know there's there's certain types of discomfort that we don't want at work because they are detrimental and they're personal or they're you know illegal or harassing or whatever but the discomfort. It comes with disagreeing or with having different points of view is actually very very helpful. That's the thing you want. And uh, and then the other thing that uh, that sort of jumps out when it comes to common myths and there, there's a whole bunch, but the other one that's a big one that I am really personally very big on since this book is uh, you know our notion of what a leader should be, a great team leader, team captain. We tend to to think of them as someone who's very uh, sort of stoic and strong and can you know, can take the punches and and the bullets and the the first one out to battle, that sort of thing. And you know they're inspiring in right. part because they're unflinching. It turns out that the kind of leaders that you want, the, the best leaders of the most amazing teams in history, are the ones that, yes, they can inspire you. They can they can help you understand the purpose and the the story of what this all means. So you can rally around that. But they they first of all they allow you the freedom to be who you want to be and to work how you want to work in exchange for you know the accountability for the team but they also tend to be very flexible they mm-hmm. they're stubborn on that purpose but they're willing to revise their viewpoint when it turns out you need to they're willing to respect other viewpoints invite dissent not you know sort of crush <laughs> dissent you get a lot of leaders you know they they'll do that they they crush the dissent cuz it makes them look like a, not mm-hmm. a leader the best leaders will invite it they'll say push me tell me what i don't know tell me what's wrong and uh and they they separate their ego from their need to be right uh and you know that's the difference between a good leader and an amazing leader when it comes to teamwork and and yet we still you know surveys show that we're more likely to promote someone or to vote for someone who looks like that sort of tough leader that can kind of handle anything whereas the leaders that we need and and there's a recent survey by Fortune 500 CEOs that said it asked them what's the one number one attribute of the who you think the next generation of CEOs uh needs needs to have and they all said creativity that that was the number one that being able to do things that are risky uh, which is is inherently kind of opposed to stoic you know unflinchingness towards uh you know whatever it's actually being willing to change and being flexible that takes a lot of guts i think as a leader well, but think, uh, but that's what dream teams are made of
0: and, and i think that's something that really has to um everybody has to be i think cognizant of that that change in the worldview of where mm-hmm. we're going if you think about kind of the need for adaptability and nimbleness and the fact that you know all these new technologies are happening and new business models and everything's kind of crashing in at the same time how can employees individuals kind of uh Become that more of an adaptable person, knowing that you know you're no no longer going to be able to stay in your job for 20 years, let alone you know 20 minutes uh, nowadays. Uh, yeah. So how does how do we change? How do we adapt? And and I'm it's, I'm curious to know how that will change how teams and that work together as well.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I I think the idea we talk about agile development and agile startups, I think agile leadership and agile teamwork is actually pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, just sort of connected a, a dot there as you're saying that. Um, but yeah, I I think if there's a couple of skills that we can all develop in order to be better collaborators and to be more innovative ourselves, you know, one is. Uh, being uh, filling our our heads with uh with knowledge across disciplines outside of just our own. Right. I think there's a there's a huge advantage to like yes, specialize in in what you're passionate about and what you're good at, but reserve some of your time and effort to explore things that are outside of your field, outside of your discipline or to engage with people who are are very different than you and have different expertises because this is where you know, creativity is basically you build up a, a database in your head of, of different things, and then you connect dots between them, right? right? Same thing with people. You have a database of people, and you connect thing, people and their ideas that haven't been connected before. So one, just getting you know, giving ourselves the latitude and the excuse to explore a little bit more, to be more curious, to do that sort of thing. And the other is this, uh, this thing called intellectual humility, which I think it, if there's one thing that everyone in the world could get better at that would just change everything – Business and uh, business-wise, and just community-wise, it'd be intellectual humility, which is basically it's a, like a fancy term for open-mindedness. It's what mm-hmm. psychologists call respecting other viewpoints, not being overconfident intellectually, and and being able to change your viewpoint. It's the thing that sits in the middle of gullibility on you know one extreme and uh, stubbornness on the other extreme. It's being able to change but knowing when you shouldn't and that's really hard but there's things we can do that actually you know help us develop that i mean uh, you know one is uh, is of course working with people who are different than you and and actually uh, you know priming yourself to uh to change your mind saying things like i could be wrong but right. before you you make an argument um so that you know it protects your it, it helps your ego feel less hurt when you are proven wrong um but there's also really interesting research that i ended up uh writing about in dream teams around how uh we've long suspected that traveling helps us to become more open-minded and more creative and uh and new research actually bears this out but even better than traveling go and live in a country or in a culture that is not your own for a few months and it takes just 2-3 months of living somewhere else for uh for people to actually score higher in intellectual humility for your brains to start to train themselves that maybe it's okay for people to live one way and to live another way. And as your brain forms those sort of neural pathways, then uh, it becomes easier for you to say, well, maybe it's okay for someone to think one way and to think another way when it comes to solving problems. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think it's, it's extremely important to uh, actually, you know, it, we actually implemented this in, in my company. Uh, we offer people a sabbatical after they've been here a few years where you have to go somewhere else for two months. And uh, and do something that has nothing to do with your job here. And the only requirement is when you come back, you have to report back to the company about where you went and what you learned. And, and you know, uh, one guy took a train trip around America. Uh, you know, one guy went to the desert and, and kind of <laughs> went and meditated in the desert for two months. And uh, someone else, you know, went to Japan. And it's like uh, this... This is how you build that uh, you come back refreshed, also. But this is how you build those two things that you know: database of different experiences that you can connect dots, and the intellectual humility that helps make you a little bit better collaborator. Right. There's there's other things you can do too, but these are the kinds of things expanding. You know, cognitive expansion basically is what it's about, and uh, and it's also really fun too. I guess I should add.
0: Well, I, I totally agree. I mean, uh, and I, we, you and I were talking right before we, we turned on our quarter here, but, uh, you know, we just finished up our Inside Outside Innovation Summit. And one of the things I like about hosting that particular event is, you know, we, we bring together the the corporates and the startups in the same room. And I joke, it's, you know, the ties and the T-shirts and the, you know, the, the tucked and the mm-hmm. untucked uh, in the same room and, and see what magic happens when two fundamentally different types of groups come together, but yet they are both trying to do different innovative things. Sometimes, you know, within the organization, sometimes, you know, outside an organization, but uh, the magic happens when you kind of put those different parts together and and, uh, realize where the similar similarities are and where the differences are. uh, And you can both learn from each other.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I love it. And I think, you know, people need to be willing to mix and not just sort of stick with their tribe in those settings. And, but uh, you know, one of the, the magical things about the human brain is when you learn someone else's story, especially if it's a story that, you know, that is vulnerable and, uh, and that you can relate to the, the emotions. Our brains actually generate signals and chemicals that make us care about people who are not like us. And so right. you get a mix of suits and, and, uh, t-shirts, uh, in a room and, and you, you know, you give them a cocktail and you have them mix in if they they manage to talk about things outside of work, you know, talk about who they are and where they're from and what they care about and what they've been through, um, then you start to develop real empathy that allows, uh, you know, later on when you're working together, allows you to have the hard conversations and not uh, and and still treat each other like people and still respect each other as human beings. And you can actually get further. You can have more sort of uh, intellectual conflict. Um, when you get to know someone at, at that level, which is why you know sometimes we, we talk about you know offsites, as cheesy things, and depending on how, on what you do at the offsite, you can actually you know there's some science to this idea of getting people outside of their, their home environments, they're not attached to their you know their identity as much, and uh, get them to to be vulnerable and uh, you know and share their personal stories with each other, and that pays off in spades when those people then have to have a debate and they realize that they, you know, they very different things that they're bringing to the table are more powerful together. And hey, it's not personal because we love each other.
0: That wraps up another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. Thanks for listening. Find out more about our team at next.co. That's N-X-X-T dot C-O. Until next time, go out and innovate.